this episode, we sit with Tammy Rodman, the Durham Pilgrimage of Pain and Hope Coordinator for the Durham Cares Nonprofit Organization, to discuss the challenges and hopes that we have to create just space for one another in the Durham community. I'm really excited to meet you, Mrs. Tammy, and really excited to hear about your work in Durham mm -hmm. with Durham Cares mm -hmm. and ReCity. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to tell us about yourself and uh, a little bit more about what you do before, okay. we, before I ask more questions. Okay, okay. Um, well, Tammy Rodman, of course. I am the pilgrimage coordinator for Durham Cares. I've been in this role approximately a year now. Um, I've been working in the community. I am an ordained pastor um, um, and um, so outreach has always been my thing I didn't I didn't feel very comfortable or I told God I didn't want to be that pulpit pastor um, I was more outreach um, I like being with the people in the community looking at the basic needs the real things that the Bible says that Jesus did he walked the streets okay so I like being in the streets. Um, and I've been doing that probably for mm, a good 20 or more years. Um, even, and that's how I ended up in this role, I think, my community connections throughout. I've served on several uh, boards um, with community organizations like Interfaith Hospitality Network, uh, was the board chair for a time period uh, before it connected with Genesis Home, uh, served on the board of Urban Ministries. So homelessness and just the care of people has just always been uh, a passion of mine. Um, I came to Durham uh, to attend North Carolina Central University uh, many moon ago, I won't say how long ago, uh, that's been, but, uh, uh, and you know, like some, some people stay, some people leave. Uh, I left for a small period of time and ended up right back here in Durham. Um, raised my family here, uh, my two children. And um, I come from a family uh, of preachers and teachers. So we've always been, I guess, service-minded. Uh, with community, and that's the way I was raised. Um, always taught to be able to talk to the uh, president of the United States as well as the rhino on the corner, and still give them both the respect that they need to have as human beings. Um, so that's the way I pretty much live my life. Um, and uh, just try to do the best I could uh, to help others. Uh, and in the process, ended up blessing myself, you know? Sometimes you reach out to people and, and, and uh, call yourself helping them, and uh, they end up blessing you um, with a word or, or some act of kindness. Uh, just, just love, you know? Um, so that's a little bit about me. I mean, I could go on with some stuff. I'm not really good at talking about myself too well, you know, okay. You might can take that out of the podcast, but <laughs> uh, I, don't, I just don't do well. Uh, I could give you a, a, uh, my CV and uh, let that speak 
for the accomplishments that mm -hmm. I've gained over the years. Uh, I've, uh, I um, have earned a doctorate degree, so I am Reverend Dr. Tammy Rodman. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, when I think back over that, uh, I look at it as um, sometimes you have to have certain credentials to be able to be in the space to have your voice heard. Um, that's what I see it as. Um, I, I work very hard for it. Uh, uh, and so when it comes in handy, you know, but uh, out on the corner, I'm Tammy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's definitely nice to meet you. And yeah. just, just listening to all of the really cool agencies that you work for, mm -hmm. from Interfaith Hospital, Hospitality Network, you mentioned Genesis Home, mm -hmm. Urban Ministries, and you also mentioned a passion for homelessness. Mm -hmm. In light of all of the, and now working for doing peers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in light of all of the agencies that you've worked for, what are some of the issues that you think Durham is facing? Some of the critical issues that you would say people in Durham really need to know that this is a issue in our community. I believe homelessness is still an issue. Um, home housing uh, is, is really an issue because there may be people who are not homeless but they are living in substandard housing and of course we're dealing with gentrification now so even in areas that uh, used to be areas where nobody wanted to live in people are moving in and they're building uh, three and four hundred thousand dollar houses right next to a dilapidated house. Um, so that is an issue because it's pushing people who uh, have been living on the fringes or just being able to survive through renting. Um, and like I said, a lot of times some of the rental places have been substandard. Um, it's, it's just really difficult to see people living in that space and not and and looking next door to see this person who's living in this what they would probably look at as a mansion almost uh, so so that is one of the biggest issues I think um, another issue that concerns me and has been dear to my heart is the the uh, food issues um, there are food issues right there are food issues there are areas um, food deserts still um, especially over in the East Durham area. And there are people working on it. I've, I've worked with some people like uh, In Hunger, Durham, um, and we just need areas where people can have access uh, to food and good food. Um, you know, I see a lot of kids eating junk food. It's expensive to, to eat healthy you know, and you could say, well, if they would just eat better, they wouldn't have to deal with diabetes or they wouldn't have to deal with uh, being overweight or something like that. But go to the grocery store and try to purchase some healthy food, just, you know, fruits and fruits. vegetables. And so um, that, that uh, is an issue as well. So I think those two issues for me, uh, there are a lot of issues out here. 
um, uh, not just specific to Durham, but you know worldwide that we're dealing with. But those are two issues that I guess I've been in that area a, a, a good while. And, and then education. So uh, I'm also um, one of the founding members for a charter school um, here in Durham. And um, education has always been key. And so to see children, that lack of education, uh, access, they go to school, but then they don't have some of the things that they need, and you know they get uh, sent home because of behavior problems. So it's, it's you know, <laughs> I could go on for days listing uh, the things that I really see that are wrong. Of course, the, the, our young uh, black males dying daily or, or caught up in violence, and, and young women as well caught up in, 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 in gun violence and things like that. Um, uh, you know, with the Coalition for a Nonviolent Durham, I've done some work with them as well. And um, those, those things really, really, I guess, are the things that uh, have me thinking at night and praying about and meditating about that there would be some change. And I think there are, there are segments of people who are really trying to make an impact, but when, you know, when something has been broken for so long, it takes a while for it to be, one, for people to realize it's broken, and then begin to look at and see, well, why was it broken? You know, what systemic things are in place that are causing the, the, the food desert and causing the lack of education and causing the homelessness and the substandard housing. Look at that. And then how do we begin to dismantle and begin to rebuild or restore? Um, so it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but we have to keep pressing on that. So. Yeah, long story short, those are the things. <laughs> well, that, that's like excellent for me to, and for those who are listening, when you think about education, food, homelessness, and housing are serious issues in mm -hmm. Durham. Mm -hmm. I wanna, I, I wanna talk about your identities, mm -hmm. and particularly you mentioned your servant's heart, mm -hmm. and I'm curious to know how that servant's heart developed. Mm -hmm. And do you feel as though, being a person of color, mm -hmm. that you were more primed to see these issues and to experience these concerns? Does that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I th yeah, I think being a person of color, of course, uh, I grew up in a, in a family, as I said, that, that were servants. Um, my, my parents and grandparents were very outspoken people, um, worked hard, and uh, in some cases, my, my grandparents especially, I was blessed to have uh, both sets of my grandparents and some of my great-grandparents. So I knew history. Um, people who worked hard, who believed that education was key. Uh, I grew up in that era that you, it was no choice for me. They didn't ask me if I wanted to go to college. It was like, what college are you going to? Uh, because they knew that education was key. 
uh, growing up as a black female in the United States of America. Uh, <laughs> and um, I was always taught uh, you, you've got to be two times smarter in order to uh, get in the same position as some of your uh, counterparts. Um, so I grew up with that mindset. And um, like I said, the, the servant part, that just came naturally. When you see generations of feeding people and generations of bringing kids home, even though you're the teacher, you bring them home and you feed them as well. And, and, and um, my mother, who always felt like she had to take care of the elderly in the neighborhood and uh, even though she was a teacher who gave, they gave out of their, uh, their means, which was not a lot of means uh, in many cases, because teachers still don't make the money that they should make. Um, so all of those things probably led up to me having the servant's heart. Um, just seeing the um, disparities within my community uh, growing up. I know... Um, a black woman, <laughs> you know, seeing people who, who just pressed and worked hard but still couldn't seem to get places, you know, couldn't seem to get through certain doors. And uh, even working, uh, coming, you know, I was afforded, I, I was educated and, and ended up working for a, a large corporation here in Durham. And, but still seeing in those spaces um, having to fight my way um, for positions, uh, knowing, uh, you know, training somebody who I, I knew was going to end up taking my position or another position that I was more than qualified for. So all of those struggles, you don't want to see anybody else have to go through that sort of thing and deal with those things. So I, I think it's... it's um, it's, it's our responsibility when we experience things in life. I don't think they are just for us. I, I think they are for us to be able to reach out and help somebody else. Uh, we can get really, really caught up in this, in this selfishness that goes on in the world and, and, and not reach back and try to pull someone else up. Uh, or, or to, to, to make a way. So I don't think I was afforded the ability to get all the education that I've gotten and to be put in the positions that I've been put in just for me to uh, sit on it or to selfishly gain just for myself is so that I can share my story and say, you know what, you can do this too. And I mean, I had some hard times in life. I've, I've you know, I went through divorce. I've, I've had those struggles of life. And in each opportunity, as, you know, when I reflect back, I, I was always one to say, okay, well, what am I supposed to get out of this? What is the lesson that I'm supposed to learn out of this? So I know what it's like uh, to have to go down to social services. But I realized, I was like, Lord, why? You know, I've done all these things. I've done A, B, C, and D. You know, I, here I am at social services asking for some food stamps because I'm now a divorcee. I'm not making the money that I used to be making, and so I still got to feed my kids. But you know what? I would Someone would always come to me who didn't know how to navigate the system. And so I realized 
for me to go down and learn how to navigate that system and make it work for me was for me to come back and tell this sister how to navigate that system. So, um, you know, that, that whole process or purpose of what we're here to do uh, to, to help someone else. And I get so caught up. Uh, so look, look, uh, Shelvis, I may have even gone off the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you, you know, when you see people just struggling, and I just, I've always been that person who didn't want to see somebody else suffer through some of the things that I've suffered. And, I, and I've got an even deeper story that I won't go, in, <laughs> go into. But I resonate with the Me Too movement. I resonate with uh, us being, I've never been starving, but I've been to the point where I've opened up the refrigerator and said, okay, now how am I going to feed these kids? You know, I've, I've had those moments when I'm like, okay, let's see. I got this amount of money, Duke Power, rent. Hmm. You know, to try to have to navigate those things. Uh, but then, even in the midst of that struggle, because of where I was with my education, I would be invited to the table. So here I am trying to figure out how to pay my bills, and I'm sitting at the table, and, and somehow would always be uh, pulled to the a leadership position, even when I tried to come in and sit down and just be there, because, okay, I'm there in that space, and before you know it, I have been... Uh, put in the position to, to lead that board. Um, but I know it's because I can resonate. I know how it feels. You know, and I can tell somebody, it's okay, you can make it. You know, I've been couch surfing before. You know, so I know what it is to couch surf. You know, to be trying to figure out where you're going to live next. I know what that's like. And you know what? Now I'm sitting at the head of the table that determines how I can help you be able to sit at the table one day. Um, and that gives me joy. Oh, gosh. You know, if, you know, uh, I, you know, like anybody else, I like to earn some money. But if I don't earn a dime, to see somebody else come up and, and, and tell me their story and say, you know what, that word that you gave me encouraged me, and this is what I'm doing now. So that's partly why I'm with, even with Durham Cares, because I get to do that on a regular basis. You know, uh, people come through and they want to know uh, why they're in certain spaces and um, the issues that are around them and they don't know history. Uh, different things like that. They come to this table for pilgrimage and to be able to take them on a journey and help them and even see them grappling with themselves about their privilege when they realize, you know what? I've been walking around here in a bubble. Now, what can I do, you know, um, to, just to see them dealing with themselves, you know? to still see people that uh, don't have a clue, you know, and um, see someone else in a group trying to help them <laughs> to see or saying, I'm hurting, and I've got a right to say I'm hurting right now, you know, and to help this person say, 
hey, you don't, you don't have to tell them. You know, let them be in their moment right now. Let them have that moment. Uh, let them have their voice in, in that moment. So, anyway, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, I probably went all off. You, you, you. I, I probably went all off somewhere else. <laughs> I'm just grateful. <laughs> I'm just grateful to be here. Yeah. And, 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 and first of all, thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to hear about Durham Cares. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You mentioned uh, that Durham Cares sort of lets people wrestle with their privilege, mm -hmm. wrestle with their identities, mm -hmm. um, perhaps their conflicting intersectionalities, mm -hmm. and take some more pilgrimages. pilgrimages. Mm -hmm. could, you, could you share more about Durham Cares, okay. which is the organization that you currently work for? Right, exactly. Uh, the pilgrimage um, is a faith-based pilgrimage. Um, and we just basically help people to see how their story the story of Durham and God's story intersect. We want them to see, just like I mentioned before, that you know I came I came to Durham because I was going to come to North Carolina Central Education, North Carolina Central University, and get my education. That's what I thought, but ultimately, I was probably here to do more than that. You know, it's panned out that I'm here to do more than what I originally thought I came here to do, um, to broaden my ability to be able to reach out to people. So um, I help people see that uh, to the best of my ability or put them in the spaces, help them to hear the stories. Because the journey uh, involves uh, going to Stagville. We go to Stagville. A lot of people don't. Some people know about Stagville. A lot of people don't know about Stagville. Some people think that it's just to go out there and hear the slaveholder story. But we have a docent who, who takes us on journey, and she tells us as much as she can about the, the enslaved people story. Um, of course, uh, our, our documentation as, as, as a... Uh, a race is not as well as some of the documentation from the slaveholders, but you can piece together some things, you know, and kind of almost read between the lines of some of the documentation. And she does a wonderful job of that. She's a historian, um, uh, and she puts it together so that when they come on that journey, when you go and you stand beside quarters that were built for the slaves and you see the imprints of children and people who were making the bricks that still stand, that's a moment, you know? Uh, when somebody said, wait a minute, this is, this is tangible, this is real. This is almost that child's handprint, that child was leaving you a message, telling their story in the brick. Uh, we, we, we leave Stagville, and we, uh, we also share a, a, a story, the story of Elder Blackfeather Jeffries, who's a Native American. Um, he shares his story of how the trails, even along the Stagville area, the Native Americans, of course, were here first, and so the trails along there, how his people worship. 
You know, sometimes we believe we can only worship God in the brick building, right? And he talks about the trees and the birds and how he talks to the animals. And the native, it's all uh, the grandfather, you know. He's, he talks to the grandfather every morning. You know, his spirituality uh, um, as, and the way he was raised. Um, so that's a wonderful experience. And then we go on and hear more stories. So the, the pilgrimage is being in a place. It's about encounters. It's about places. It's about stories. It's about transformation. Um, all of those are the elements of, and reflection. All of those are the elements of a journey. And it's, it's an immersion where you have 20 or so people walking together and with their different voices and, and hearing stories from Ms. Virginia Williams, who's part of the Royal Seven. A lot of people think the, the civil rights movement in North Carolina started in Greensboro. It didn't. <laughs> You know, it it it, it had its, its some of its beginnings right here in Durham. Uh, to hear this eighty-year-old woman sharing her story as a young woman coming to Durham, they experience that and then have time to reflect on that. So it, it is a journey. We even, you know, we feed the people well. We try to use local entrepreneurs, minority or uh, or at least local entrepreneurs. Uh, that's the criteria. So it's not just an a experience of, of stories and the places. We're also, you're encountering food along the way. Um, and you just have those moments when you are either left to reflect on your own or we get in our, we have our big circle time. Uh, and, and I explained that that came out of the Native American tradition. Uh, we go to the Latino Credit Union. We talk about some of the issues with the, uh, uh, as to why that was formed, uh, which a lot of those things are happening now. A lot, it was formed based on the fact that a lot of the Latino people were coming here and being day workers. A lot of times they got a lot of cash on them. They were getting robbed a lot. A lot of them weren't banked. They didn't have access so if you're not banked, you don't have access to a lot of stuff. You're or you're left to those predatory services like the check cashing places that charge you ten percent or three percent or five percent. So you're working and they're taking a thousand dollars worth of your money that could be saving. So we get that whole experience as well, and we're even broadening it. Um, since I've been on board, um, I begin to say, okay, well, let's, let's look at Durham and make sure that the pilgrimage continues to reflect Durham. And so we're broadening even the piece of the Latino community now. Uh, we sat with Samuel and listened to his story when he was in sanctuary at Citywell. Um, so those are the experiences that, uh, some of the experiences. We talked to uh, uh, Mr. Spate now. He's one of the few families, Joy Spade, I don't know if you've heard of Joy and, and, and Mr. Melvin Spade, one of the few families that's left from uh, the Haytai community that still has a business. You know, he, he talks about, uh, as he, he, he says, urban removal when they put 147 through the black community. Uh, so they hear that story. Uh, those are the different things that you experience on a pilgrimage. It is a journey that 
is just awesome. Every time I go through it personally with a, another group, it's just a wonderful. It's different because, of course, I have different personalities. Um, and I just walk away with a, 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 a richer experience every time. So those, those are some of the things that the pilgrimage offers. Um, I've been reaching out to, I've had a conversation with uh, Mayor Shule and uh, with uh, some members of the county commissioners because I truly believe that in order to be a person that serves the community, you need to know the history. You, know, you need to know the context in which you're working. Um, a lot of times, even, uh, you can go out and say, well, these people over here, they need this. Well, how do you know what they need if you haven't talked to them? How do you know what they're going through unless you become, you know, develop a relationship with them? Uh, and, and so that's what we begin that in, uh, here with the pilgrimage and hopefully for some, and, um, and try to extend that. So there are some who have been through the pilgrimage with me that I'm still in relationship with, that they contact me and uh, ask what's going on, and I try to keep them abreast of all the different issues that are going on, um, uh, different events and things like that that are happening. Immigration is a hot item right now. Uh, having been in relationship with Samuel and that whole uh, thing, uh, we're, we're getting ready to have a conversation here in January on immigration because a lot of people are ignorant to immigration. They were like, well, he broke the law. Wait a minute. You know, do you know the story? Do you know what immigration is about? Do you know the truth? So we want to kind of take away the, the uh, let's say, truth versus lie uh, and uh, have that conversation. And those are the things that we're working towards being even better at having those difficult conversations or setting it up so that people can hear stories. Uh, yeah, stories are important. You gotta hear stories. You have to hear stories. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think thinking about our conversation and the conference and past persons that I've had the privilege to speak to, mm -hmm. I'm seeing there's multiple ways to create just spaces. Mm -hmm. And so my last question, because I feel like it's very salient for this moment that we've had together, is how can stories create just space? Stories we tell yeah. mm -hmm. create just or perhaps unjust spaces. Telling the story. Mm. I think when you tell the story, from my experience, it can, within itself, create space. And when I say that, when, when I share a story with you, for instance, and something in that resonates with you, then you 
desire to even know more about whatever that thing in that story piqued you. And it can bring about these things. It can bring about liberation. It can make you think about um, what, what is my purpose? What am I to be doing? It can make you look in the mirror at yourself. Uh, whatever things you, you, know, you, you may be struggling with, that story that I share could be the very story that would help you desire a space. So I think when we, we, we hear stories, it, it just does something to us. Then it's up to us, or sometimes we may need the help of someone who, maybe the person who told the story, to say, well, if you want to know more, let's have a gathering. Let's talk some more about this. And, and, and that has been the case for me on several occasions because, you know, uh, I have a story, a personal story, uh, of some abuse as a child. And out of that, my dissertation was developed. And then out of that dissertation, I basically set up opportunities where I could have other women come and share their stories, some who never told their stories. So out of my story, develop space. Almost, it just happened. And so it's up to us and those of us who are touched by those stories to dig deeper or to find places and even set up places yourself if you want more. So, you know, I hope that answered that. You know, it, when we think about it, even from the biblical perspective, um, the Bible is full of stories. Awesome stories. They're stories. So it's the story of God and God's love for his people and, and that whole uh, redemptive process. But within the story is a story. So out of the story, developed other stories. And they're messy. <laughs> yeah, they're messy. They are messy. And the reality is that they are messy. Life is messy. You know, it is, it is very messy. And we have to, we have to uh, decide whether we're going to try to avoid the mess and live on the, the, in that bubble. Uh, but eventually, even the messiness is going to come find you. You know, uh, you can try to get around it, but it'll come find you. I think one of the, one of the um, things that stood out, many of the things that he, he said, Malcolm X, I think he was referring to um, the fact that I think it might have been the crack epidemic, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and... He made reference to the fact that, and I, this is not a direct quote, but basically you can sit over here and think that this issue is just for these people. But if you don't realize how connected you are, that issue is going to come and sit on your doorstep one day. 
you know, a lot of people, I think he, I think it might have been after Kennedy was shot, he said something about the chickens will come home to roost and, and cause the uproar. <laughs> but ultimately, we're interconnected. We all are. And um, as difficult as that can be, um, we, we have got to realize that we are and what will affect me somewhere along the way if I don't address it or deal with it or, or, or reach out or whatever I'm called to do in that space, it's going to have a, a ripple effect. And that ripple will come back on this side of the shore. Um, so... Well, thank you. <laughs> this has certainly been, uh, I'm filled. <laughs> and I could, I could go on and, and talk mm -hmm. with you, uh, Tammy, for, for a long time about stories and mm -hmm. just space mm -hmm. and all the different uh, issues and durums that mm -hmm. we need to take seriously. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really grateful for your time. Well, thank uh, you. I'm grateful for uh, you allowing me to come into your space and to uh, sit and hear your story. Yeah. And so, without further ado, thank you much. Well, thank you. Tammy is interviewed by Shelvis Pons. Our editing for this episode has been done by Cal Kubosi. And the outreach coordinator for this episode is Ezra Uzun Mason. Today's intro and outro song is called It Good Jazz, by the Donnie C Project. In addition, this production is made possible by the Division of Student Affairs at Duke University.